part of you know my ideal education is that everyone identifies as a learner which sounds obvious but so many people don't identify as themselves as a historian as a mathematician as a writer um and what that really is revealing of is like they don't feel like they are a good learner in these spaces mm, right yes um and so essentially what's happened is that school has taught people the wrong way to learn and because of that, you know, they've developed this closed-mindedness. And really from a young age, from a really young age, actually, from, you know, later part of elementary school to middle school. And that just carries on for the rest of their life. And that is so, such a disservice and such an injustice, I feel like, an educational injustice to young people of today. So that's where I really want to change it, which is where, you know, changing or like teaching how to learn, simultaneously teaching what to learn. And both of these are incredibly important skills. And yeah, and the way you're going to get there is you need to... Hello, you're listening to the Courage to Create podcast, the show that our oldest son, who is a high school junior, talks about education. If you're new to the show, you can check out the introduction episode where I explain why I decided to start this project. This was the week 16 which means the first semester will end next week. So he has been reflective and also thinking about what's coming. In this episode, he shared what's been on his mind, the theme of 2024, that included AI, entrepreneurship, and creativity. Welcome to week 16 which is this last full week before winter break uh, and the holidays. So that is exciting. Um, this week was quite tame, I would say, because, you know, we're not working towards some big project or anything. We are just focusing on, you know, little assignments here and there that supplement the learning. Um, and in the focus for humanities, we are going into U.S. government and civics. And this week we've been working on our case notes for a moot trial. And moot trial basically means it's it's like a mock trial, but mm -hmm. with a with a case that's already been decided upon. Oh, okay. So that's why it's called a moot trial. Um, and yeah, I've got one that's related to the Fifth Amendment. Uh, I think it's Chavez v. Maria, something someone's name with an M. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have not. I'm, I'm gonna. I have to finish the case brief. Um, but yeah, that is. It's not been too exciting. Um, mostly because, you know. It's a moot trial. It's already been decided on. And what you're having to do is read through legal documents on what did the majority opinion say? What did the dissenting opinion say? What are the, you know, legalities and arguments that both sides have created? And then you attempt to replicate that um, in the moot trial that will happen next week. And so um, not the most exciting thing in the world, but, you know, it's still part of government and civics, um, which I endorse. So that's all good. Um, and also we've been reviewing our, our constitution uh, test, which will happen next week. And we've been preparing for that. Um, so that's been fun, uh, reviewing the major amendments and, you know, the different parts of the government and the different powers they have and what are checks and balances, what is judicial review, stuff like that. Um, and also today we had our math exam, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I got one question s not right. Um, I don't know if it was wrong. I kind of brute forced it. And so it's not like the way you should have solved it, but it is a way that supposedly works. Uh, but I'm not quite sure. So yeah, there was one question that um, finally did stump me. What, what is the math? Oh, this math exam was a review of everything we've done so far. So trigonometry, um, polynomials, um, graphing, uh, trigonometric function, all that. I see. 
Um, and yeah, speaking of math, so I've come to the realization, um, like a few other students in my class and in, in, in the top academic um, decile, where the math class offered at high tech high is not going to be um, satisfactory. It's not going to supply the, um, the, the math, the math void simply because we take all these college courses that are higher advanced math. So pre-calc, um, calculus, um, and because of that, obviously we're, you know, leaps ahead in the mathematical area. And so in class, you're just going to be left knowing everything and then having to do the same work. Um, and that's no fault. I mean, on the, on the, on the school side because it's like you know you're adhering to a curriculum and you also have to teach to the middle of the class which is which is um which is completely uh normal but my my and you know uh, uh, among others you know we share that issue where you know this math class this 65 minutes is now no longer of much use to us anymore and so i'm curious now um one thing that i've been thinking about is ai um and and specifically um Okay, so I, I guess we'll jump into, because it is the end of the year, I've been thinking about themes for 2024. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, you know, first reflecting on 2023 and then 2024, but I want to jump into 2024. So one of the things that I think is like super important is um, uh, leveraging AI and understanding it and really knowing, you know, how to use it, how to work it. And I, I, can, I can think of so many applications in my own life and the work that I'm doing within education where... AI could be such a valuable tool. And granted, I don't know much about it, but from you know hearing all the buzz and noise around it, you can just tell that this is a very important uh, sector to be a part of. And to deeply understand it, you really want to have a background in coding and want to have a background in you know Python and all that. So what I'm thinking is like, could we test out of the math for the next year and a half? Because I'm junior, I'm halfway through junior year. So I essentially have uh, three more semesters, you know, the rest of my junior year and senior year of all math, which I will likely already know, right? Is it possible to somehow test out out of all of this and then use all that time to just work on coding, specifically in, in the attempt to get, to get to know more about AI and actually be able to like make, build, you know, AI algorithms and models yourself that are applicable to your own use? Wouldn't that be something, right? So that's also something that I want to try to explore. Um, are you going to socialize that with the, someone? Well, yeah, I think other people would greatly enjoy that um and yeah and like i would love you know i mean i think there are actually three main areas which i think high school should should have teachers for but they don't because it's just not in the curriculum but um business finance um coding and engineering like these are all I, I i feel like we should have subjects that are labeled these you know in the same way we have humanities or math like you know, either replace them or evolve them. Like somehow, say in your junior senior year, you have business or you have engineering or whatever. Like I feel like these subjects are like super core, and yet unfortunately you have to wait till college in order to pursue those. I feel like they should be um, taught at the high school level or at least integrated within the curriculum, and that would make you know, I I feel like that would be much worth people's time. And of course, you need to bring in the expertise, and you know, you need to hire teachers with those backgrounds. But I feel like that. Um, would be a great service to um, a lot of the students um, and, and young kids today. Um, I guess, yeah, going back to, let's go back to the Constitution um, and the Constitutional Test. It was, it was, it was weird and strange because 
during the review phase, essentially we have a list of like questions of things we should know. Mm-hmm. So like, what is the Fifth Amendment? What is the Sixth Amendment and stuff like that? And we were reviewing it as a class, right? So the teacher was upfront um, taking live notes and then, you know, we were all reviewing it. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, this isn't the most fun process because um, like the teachers aren't allowing um, to print out any notes, but it's only handwritten notes that's allowed on the test. So we can't print out the document that, you know, everyone was typing to take notes. And so what that means is you can't take notes on your computer. You can't print out something. It's an open book, but only handwritten thing around? Yes. Interesting. Why is that? Um, well, supposedly the reason is in, in, by, by taking notes by hand, you're memorizing Memorize. it, uh, supposedly. Yes. Instead of just typing it and printing it out, which is, yeah, there is science behind that. Um, of course, it's not applicable to me because I never take notes on pretty much anything. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, a lot of kids were saying, why can't I just Google this, you know, or like, I will be able to Google this in the future, you know, if I'm ever going to use it. I mean, that too, you know, why don't I just print it out? But like, it it is interesting because, you know, on the one hand, I I agree that, yes, you have the, like, all of information at your fingertips anywhere outside of school, right? And and in your future, you're going to be anywhere outside of school. So, you know, having those resources at your, you know, you should be leveraging those resources, you know, in the internet, in the same way you should be leveraging AI, you know. But, of course, um, the teacher doesn't allow that. And I think the one argument that I could see is, like, this stuff, you know, government you knew as civics is important. So like you should make an attempt to remember what the Fifth Amendment, what the Sixth Amendment is, right? And I, I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, not leveraging the technologies available to you is also not the right message to be sending young people. Um, I think it's really counterproductive. And also, um, supposedly, the questions on the test are designed to be an application question. So mm-hmm. like you'll get a scenario where it's like, you know, um, you'll get like an age of this person and how many years they've lived in the United States. Is this person eligible to become a senator? Is this person eligible to be president? You know, and so in those types of questions, you need to have the information, and, but then know how to apply it. Right. So if those, if those questions are true, then I feel like you should be able to use Google and whatnot and research it because it's not just pure information. It's not yes or no. It's, it's not, not the memorization. It's not, yeah, it's not one, two, three, four, that. but rather it's can you, okay, using Google and the information, now can you, you know, process it in your brain and, yeah. and, and take the scenario and, you know, cross-reference and see, figure out the right answer. And that makes me think about this whole, you know, notion of a curriculum design and testing design, um, which is like, can you make tests that are still difficult regardless of if you have all you know information at your fingertips and of course now it's nearly impossible because with ai you can probably put any application type problem in it and it will spit out the right answer but like i still i think that would be a fun creative challenge of coming up with questions that no matter how much information you've had it's still you still need human brain power to actually answer it and it actually will force you to think even if you have the internet um, at your disposal um, yes. And 
Speaking on that note of designer, I had a, a great conversation with a, a sort of mentor slash uncoach coach t uh, figure um, earlier this week. And one of the insights from that is that I have a mind of a designer, which I had never fully sort of identified with or appreciated. But interestingly, um, I have a whiteboard that has like aspirations and interests that I, want, I might want to pursue in the future. And under the interest list, there are five different things. Three of the five things have design in them. Uh, wow. Curriculum design, sound design, um, I think, or yeah, sound design, game design. I think it was sound engineering or something like that. Um, and fashion journalism. But like, yeah, it's interesting that I hadn't even realized it, but I guess subconsciously, yes, my mind does tend towards things that require some design component. And another revelation um, is that, you know, I really, really want to center my life around facilitating human growth, right? And so all the things I'm working on right now, all any internships I have, any job I take, you know, anything I do, I think it will be tied back to this notion of how can I facilitate human growth in more and more people, right? Um, and in doing so, I have to force to, I am forced to think like a designer, you know? And I need to, I need to be able to think like, what are the structures, um, what are the structures that best enable people to grow to be their better you know selves and you know what are the different sort of assignments or yeah just 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 architecture of the classroom that enables you know people to do this and so in some sense yes i do think a um a, a design school you know it would be very interesting too um um yeah thinking about you know college and whatnot but anyway um there's also another thing to say about impact because you know I was able to talk to some other coach of this college counseling thing, um, but that person said, "It's like he was once a school teacher, but then um, he, you know, he noticed that this wasn't the greatest impact he could be having because at most you're seeing maybe you know a um, hundred students a year, right? Um, and so how do you how do you how do you increase that you know the footprint of of and the legacy that you leave, right?" Um, and so increasing that impact is, is a, is a really, um, is an important problem. Also at the same time, it might be a little, um, it's a fine line to walk because generally with scale comes reduced quality and that's how and you can see that within, you know, public education. And so how do you not, how do you avoid that? And how do you not make it superficial transactional interactions with the people, mm. but how do you actually retain that still, you know, rich, um, and transformative experiences and while while you increase your impact and i think it, it, it there that is something to be said about um sort of you know impact and how can you expand that I, and i think with um you know the digital age and also entrepreneurial spirits just a mix of that the, the digital age times entrepreneurship um together i think does that it increases someone's impact right instead of a teacher having to teach in one classroom if they film themselves you know digitally um and then put that online and figure out how to market that how to open that to the most amount of people now you are creating greater impact so i really think it comes down to um entrepreneurship and you know digitization um but i think you know even though even even knowing those two components right you still need to figure out what is it that you offer to the world yeah. right because the same impact you have with your classroom might not be the same with what you want to have with hundreds or um, if not thousands of people so like what what is that and how do you design that and how do you you know figure out what it is that you offer that is valuable to others and uh, truly you know meaningful to them um is another big um question that i think i would also be thinking about um much in 2024 and speaking of that 
Um, going back to the different themes for 2024, as I mentioned, entrepreneurship is a big one. And so I want to go into more into, you know, understanding business, understanding finance, also understanding um, startup cultures. Um, and startups are like, you know, businesses that just became alive, basically. And there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of um, uh, experience and research and really, really good questions that, you know, is out there and really good resources out there of, you know, how do you, how do you start a startup, right? And what are the considerations take, you know, who is your audience? What is your product, right? And then actually, you know, get getting the flywheel going, it's like, can you can you make a minimum viable product and then can you can you actually get your first customer right and are there is there a demand out there and there's so many things to consider and it's such a such a great ways to analyze the world and it's such an amazing lens to have i think entrepreneurship lens is just it's so useful um, and so valuable, not only to increase your own, you know, concept con compensation and your own financial um, um, security and sources of income, but also just the, once you have that lens, you, you start to view the world differently and you start to, you know, be able to, you know, manage, okay, how does my time here, you know, affect different things? Like, how can it be leveraged? What's the investment of, of this? And like, I, I think it's, is a very, um, a very useful tool to have that I wish were taught to more uh, young young students. Um, but anyway, those are the things that I want to start getting into um, in 2024. Another thing is sort of this dichotomy between working for others versus of the flexibility of working semi-independently. And I say semi-independently because it's not that I'm working in solitude, like in isolation. You still have a community, but you have more flexibility over your time and how you manage that. Because um, right now, all the work experience is working for others, which I'm totally game with because it is for that goal of facilitating human growth. Like yeah. I am able to step closer to that because I am working for others. And at the same time, if I'm looking at you know my career long term, um, I want to be able to have flexibility and, and autonomy over my own time and how I use that, right? At the same time, I want to contribute in teams and I want to, you know, meet deadlines and organiza organizational goals and whatnot. So how do you balance that and how do you figure that out? And I think, you you know, really that, that intersects with AI and, and, and emerging technologies um, in that way to really um, get the most out of, out of your time. Um, and so those are the other things I'll be uh, looking into, I guess, themes for 2024. Um, another side tangent, I've been reading this book, Creativity Inc., which is an autobiography of the president of Pixar Animation Studios. Um, and it, it goes from his life story of how, you know, like, did you know, like Steve Jobs was a big player in Pixar at right, the yes. early time, um, yeah. which I didn't know. And, you know, navigating all those interesting social dynamics with, you know, business people and founders and whatnot, and also just like, the trajectory of Pixar, like Pixar is such an interesting, I mean, Pixar and Disney both, but like, who knew how lucrative storytelling could be, right? right? And also, who knew how much technology intersects with this realm of storytelling? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he writes a lot in the book, but like, you don't have, you don't have this technology without the storytelling and vice versa. Like, mm -hmm. you need both. And it's not just that, I, originally, Pixar was um, a, a company f um, selling hardware. Like they were selling like, these giant computers or something that could do different computer graphics and whatnot. That right? I didn't know. Right, um, but you know the the core people who you know really really um, put their souls into the company knew that storytelling was at the heart of what they wanted to do. Right, and it does seem 
I, I think there is a perception that, you know, the, the Pixar stories are designed for children, which they are, but still, the essence of storytelling is what drives all of it. And it's what drives them to imbue the current technologies into their creative and artistic channels, such that a means of um, expression emerges, mm. right? And I really love the fact that, you know, I mean, I think... <sighs> there's like so much stigma around artists, right? I mean, I mean, if you ask, you know, a young person, especially if you come from a more traditional valued, you know, family, you know, if they said you want to be an artist, that's immediately looked down upon, right? Um, because, you know, it's not lucrative, that's not a real job, quote unquote. And yeah, so much stigma attached to that. But let's look at, you know, I mean, just the entertainment industry in terms of movies, but like uh, companies like Pixar or Disney, they make so much money, and yet the core of what they do is storytelling. Right, and they have somehow made a business model where you know they only need to release a movie every year, or, or I guess a little more than that. But like you know, the, the actual products that they release are so few, you know, mm. and yet they have so much you know recurring revenue because of the scale and impact that those have. And so it's just very interesting to think that you can intersect art and expression, and and I, in fact those are the drivers for the company. Yeah, and yet there's so much to do with technology and engineering and computer coding and and all these logistics and all these technical skills you know plus management and leadership and culture and whatnot and combine them all together and you have something as successful as Pixar and I feel like you know all, all young minds should be thinking in that way how can I imbue not just my technical skills because I think you know that's the only thing we look for in schools which is like you know can you do this math can you write this essay you know yada yada Yes, that's technical skills, and we need that. But we also need, you know, artistic individualism, originality, creative thinking, imbuing into that. And usually, it's a means of expression and um, identity recognition, and also leadership and management and culture. These things, and combining all of those together, you get something really, really uh, fruitful and amazing. Mm. And I think that is where um, a lot of, um, like, I think schools should be centered around the idea. Yeah, and also rethinking the education system with those different lenses you know um and thinking schools to be really really be microcosms of these different elements and that you know young minds are able to um live into those into those um, attributes and qualities I think this uh this episode has been a lot of themes of 2024 and continuing with that I think you know you know, technology and storytelling, um, adding that together, um, and looking forward, you know, in my career, like, I've mentioned this, I think a long time ago, but like, I think teaching is the art of storytelling, if done well, yeah. right? And so, you know, especially there, and then also, you know, I really want to, it's like, I really want to, like, looking at myself, I foresee myself being a teacher or an educator or some capacity, a facilitator of some sort, yeah. most definitely. And, you know, in my own career, of in that role, I definitely want to merge storytelling and um, you know technical technologies um, into that, and I think that will just elevate the game even more. And I think if we provide structures and infrastructure that allows teachers to do the same thing, which is to intersect storytelling and their own life experiences with technologies and provide those technical skills to students, I feel like that would be you know the new revolution of education, and it would you know it would just completely revamp this whole system and the notions that we've thought of it. Um, yeah, and uh, and also, yeah, leadership development is another thing that I would love to be able to not only embrace, but also, you know, facilitate in others. Mm. And I think, right, and like, 
leadership development trainings is you know a whole thing and i think it's also quite a big industry i think um but like why don't we have teachers like that within schools you know why yeah. don't young people have these you know classes that are dedicated toward leadership development and finding your own self and you know what what your life trajectory might be and what your career might be like you know th- the same effort that's concerted to standardize testing should all be channeled into this new faucet right and and there's still a level of rigor, you know? I mean, if you want to talk about rigor and if you want to talk about, you know, making sure that, you know, kids are actually making something the most of the time, there is a lot of quality control and tests and stuff like that that you can ensure that all, all these things are, are, you know, met to certain or exceed certain standards. And yet, just by shifting, you know, the focus on instead of all these rote skills that probably no one's going to use, um, <laughs> two things that are actually relevant in yeah. today's world, I feel like that is that would be such a such a natural progression honestly um and it, it would just be so much better for everyone i believe um and the last thing i think i'll talk about is i mean tying this back to something more tangible um maybe i see project based learning consultancy in my future maybe um because i do have a lot of experience not just within pbl but also reflecting on it and, and pointing out the flaws that it has in practice and and that's like uh, like valuable information i think a lot of teachers um could use out there um but i think you know one of the pitfalls um of project-based learning and and for context i was in a project tuning session earlier this week which is essentially where teachers can are invited to pitch their ideas and kind of get feedback on it for future projects and both other teachers and students are able to be um, part of that and so i was one of the select few who are on those panels um and you know, one of the things is if you're project-fying content, and when I say content, I mean curriculum, it's very easy to tell because... Project, project-fying. Yes, project-fying, you know, that's a made-up verb, but yeah. like making curriculum into a project to make it more fun or engaging or have some artistic deliverable, mm. you can easily tell when that's the case because um, it, you can see through it. Like, well... As soon as you start interrogating um, it and like being like pushing past the surface level, you'll see the the hollow inside because you're not actually solving a problem. It's not centered around some core issue, nor does it have some community impact. And I feel like mm. that is the true, the two core pillars of any good project is: are you focusing on some sort of justice or injustice? And, you know, that is usually means a problem somewhere. And does it have real impact on a community? If you have those two things, I feel like you can spin spin those into a really great project anytime, right? But if you don't have those things, if you think project-based learning is about doing projects about the curriculum, then I think you've gone into a very um, uh, 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 misguided attempt at PBL because um, you'll very quickly see, oh, I'm only making this artistic design or representation because it's in the curriculum, but still following the curriculum, right? And you're stop, you're not getting away from you're adhering to it. Yes, it may be for fun and creating and more student input because they get to choose what colors it is or what design it is. It's still tying back to it is about the curriculum, right? And any time, any philosophy, any pedagogy that is 
telling students you have to do this because it's followed or you have to follow certain standards or rules that was already setting setting them up for a disastrous mindset around the real world which is you know there actually are no rules really i mean of course there are laws but like in terms of creativity creativity has no bounds right and so whatever you want to innovate whatever you want to create whatever you, whoever you want to help you know and how you want to do that that is up to you and figuring those things out and figuring out where your time is best spent and where your skills are most leveraged and what organizations to go into and to you know really uh, live into your creative passion like that's that's everything and i think schools should be teaching that um well schools should use that philosophy as a basis to teach but also you know the way the schools are set up students will implicitly learn from how those structures are set up and they'll they'll internalize those things and um there's a really interesting article um that i did not read but i just like s saw the title and thought yeah that's an interesting thought which is whenever you teach something students not only are learning what it is but they're also learning how to learn yeah it's like a meta learning of it mm, right okay. and so that's that's super super important to take note of because part of you know my ideal education is that everyone identifies as a learner which sounds obvious because you're all talking about students but you would be surprised how many people feel like i am not good at mathematics i am not a learner in mathematics or not just mathematics but it's like whatever subject which is science or biology or humanities or whatnot or history you know so many people don't identify as themselves as a historian as a mathematician as a writer um and all these different things and what that really is revealing of is like they don't feel like they are a good learner in these spaces mm, right yes um and so essentially what's happened is that school has taught people the wrong way to learn and because of that you know they've developed this closed-mindedness and really from a young age from a really young age actually from you know later part of elementary school to middle school and that just carries on for the rest of their life and that is so such a disservice and such an injustice i feel like an educational injustice to young people of today so that's where i really want to change it which is where you know changing or like teaching how to learn simultaneously teaching what to learn and both of these are incredibly important skills and yeah and the way you're going to get there is you need to you need teachers you need facilitators who actually live this who actually are these things right and if you don't have that if, if you can't have people to model it themselves there's no way you can have you can expect students to learn that and so really that's where it is it's like can we develop you know a robust workforce of extremely talented individuals these facilitators these teachers can we can we develop their capacities can we can we develop you know their their core philosophies can we and those identities can we really hone in on that and then once we do that how do we you know a how do we do that and also b uh, like how do we ensure that the structures are set up such that they are able to leverage those things in the classroom um and so this you know obviously is a much larger complex systemic issue that requires you know policy and compensation and 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 leadership and inner developments and all these different tasks and definitely student student voice and student input but you know it, it's a it's at the intersection of all these things where i think facilitation of human growth not just in students but in teachers in all people is the most important thing parents too right? and parents yeah, definitely um and I, that is like the future of our society i believe um, and you know that's where I'm. That's why I'm spending so much time learning these things. Like I, I feel like these are the best building blocks that I can do right now as a 17 year old to better set my up, set myself up for success in the future in this area. Um, and so that's why you know I've chosen these themes for 2024 because I feel like all of them are super important um, to you know just to be in that space and to actually be able to accomplish um, something close to it. 
All right. Thank you very much. Signing off. I hope you enjoyed this episode. After we finished the recording, he went to his computer and started watching YouTube video on how to learn Python, a programming language. He seemed to be very excited about the new challenge. As always, please share your comments and questions. Thank you for listening and see you next time.